0: Pastor Xavier Reese with the simple truth of true love. It has been said that the loneliest place in the world is the
1: human heart when love is absent. I believe the greatest privilege and blessing in life is to love another person wholeheartedly, and that can only happen through agape love. The price of opening yourself in love is that you can be misunderstood, you can be hurt, but the potential of love, of agape love, is inexhaustible, unfailing. It never fails.
0: Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. All you need is love. Love the one you're with. And then came, torn between two lovers. The pop charts have never been in short supply of hopeless romantics lamenting over love and heartbreak from the world's standpoint. Well, today, Pastor Xavier continues a Simple Truths study series through 2 Corinthians. By reminding us of Paul's exhortation to remain separate from this kind of love the world gives in order for the unfailing divine agape love that God offers. The message is the title
1: "Don't Be One with the World." Paul the Apostle has been uh, defending his apostleship and ministry, as you know, his plans, his motives, his conduct, the new economy of grace and the spirit that enables people to live for God, and he's calling them to repentance. Paul called it the ministry of reconciliation, giving to him and his fellow workers the ministry of ambassadors for Christ who implore on Christ's behalf that individuals be reconciled to Christ. He just finished saying that in chapter 5, verse 18 through 20. Paul, having preached the gospel to the Corinthians, and now some of the Corinthians, Again, being so carnal, as we'll see, through the grace of God, he has been painfully informed that they have been deceived by the Judaizers. They are entangled again with the worldly things. But Paul's first letter dealt specifically with that, and we'll look a little bit. But he has also received a message from Titus, as he met up with them, and in chapter 7, he deals with that, that they have to repent it, But there was still a cluster of people that were estranged from Paul, questioning his apostleship, and they had joined with the Judaizers. Paul's first letter deals with many of those sins, and the tears that he had shed in 2 Corinthians 2, 4, he shared about that, because he loved them. Uh, The Corinthians, again, were carnal. They were in an arrested state. They had come to Christ, but again, they had culturalized their Christianity. And this is why this epistle is so appropriate for today, because the church today has culturalized the gospel. We are teaching a gospel that's not gospel. People are saying they're Christians while living like the world. Something is wrong. Now, there's always been that, but there's periods of times when it becomes culturalized, and the church becomes really the fountainhead for false teaching rather than from outside. This is where we are today. They had been caught up with split fightings of uh, parties, you know, as chapter 1 of Corinthians tells us. I'm a Paul, I'm a Cephas. They were trusting the wisdom of man, not the wisdom of God or the power of the gospel. They were boasting in the instruments. And Paul says, you know, some plants, some water, but God gives the increase. They were spurning Paul uh, due to their pride. They were allowing sexual sin in the church. They were suing each other in pagan courts and allowing... Individuals be involved in temple prostitution, making Christ one with prostitutes. They had a war view of marriage and single life, depriving their main sexual rights and looking down on those who desired to be married. They were still involved in pagan rituals and sacrifices, which brought a big problem. They were called to repentance by Paul, lest they be judged like Israel in the wilderness. They had lost sight of the nature and the significance of the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper. And some of them were eating their own food, overeating, some getting intoxicated, so God had struck some with death and some even with illness. They were exercising the gifts of the Spirit in a confusing and crazy way that people thought they were nuts. And they were reproved for the procrastination regarding the offering for the poor saints of Jerusalem. And after all this, Titus came to Paul and said, listen, many of them have repented. He rejoiced over them. But again, there were still some who were estranged from Paul. They had gone in with the Judaizers. And we get this in 2 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3, and in chapter 7, verse 6 through 7. So Paul is dealing with this small group. Now, in view of all this, Paul makes a threefold appeal to the Corinthians by the ministry Of reconciliation, to turn from their idolatrous sin and be completely separated from the world to God. And he does this in verse 11 down to verse 1 of chapter 7. Let me read here. O Corinthians, we have spoken openly to you, our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own affections. Now, in turn for the same, I speak as to children, you also be open. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? What communion has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with unbeliever? In what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them. And walk among them. I will be their God. And they shall be my people. Therefore come out from among them. And be separate. Says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean. And I will receive you. I will be a father to you. And you shall be my sons and daughters. Says the Lord Almighty. Therefore having these promises beloved. Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Perfecting holiness. in the fear of God. And so Paul's. Threefold appeal to the Corinthians by the ministry of reconciliation the term from their idolatrous sin for a complete separation from the world to God is characterized by three appeals first the appeal from love verse 11 to 13 the appeal from love secondly the appeal from reason verse 14 through 16 and then the appeal from obedience verse 17 down to verse 1. He begins with his appeal from love. 11 through 13. Notice in 11. Paul the apostle declared the measure of his love for the Corinthians. In spite of their rebellion. O Corinthians. We have spoken openly to you. Our heart is wide open. Paul's tone of voice here cannot be heard when we read. But the context reveals the intense anxiety. The tenderness of a father as he pleads. O Corinthians. Which father and mother cannot identify with this? With the rebellious children. And you see this whole thing through the through the whole passage here. Now the expression is full of passion. The expression is confident boldness towards the Corinthians, knowing their repentance at this point, but the hopeful expectation still of those who were estranged. Again in chapter 7, verse 4, 7, 9, and 16, he, he got that good news from Titus. Now the expression Mark personal knowledge, calling them by name. Notice that they were not some unnamed, unfamiliar group of people. Paul the apostle addressed them by name. There's only two other groups he addresses by name in the New Testament. Only two others: in Galatians three one and Philippians four fifteen. Galatians, Philippians. Very familiar with them. He had been with them for eighteen months. He established the church. He had cared. He loved them. He had affection for them. Notice he declared their honesty towards. Them. They had spoken freely and without reservation to them, without flatter, not fearing to offend them. I've told you often, if, if you hang out with people that are always telling you how good you are, go get some real friends. Okay? Paul didn't hold back. He told them exactly what they must do regarding their sin. Repent. Notice Paul declared their openness of heart. He and his companions had made themselves vulnerable by having laid their hearts bare. He just did in chapter 6, verse 3 to 10. He said, we did not receive the grace of God in vain like I'm asking you not to. And he shares all his sufferings and his discipline. And they're blameless. He just opened his heart to them. Paul just gave that example. 6, 1 and 2, 3 down to 10. The word heart, there, cardia. Literally, it means the physical organ of, of a man's or a woman's heart. But here he's speaking figuratively or metaphorically, which is used for the soul and the mind. As it is the foundation of the seed of understanding, thoughts and passions, appetites, affections, the purposes, the endeavors. And so he, he is bearing his heart before them. Which husband, which father, which mother doesn't open their heart to the one they love? The perfect tense again marks an abiding state of open heart, affection, and love that long to be reconciled. Now look at 12. Paul the Apostle declared the failure of the Corinthians to measure up the love. Again, as a father confronting, dealing with things. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own affections. Paul does not shirk back from charging them with their prideful hearts. They had not been very loving. The word restricted there means to compress, cramp, or to reduce. Kind of like shirking back. It appears in this form twice in this verse, and once it's translated, despair in 2 Corinthians 4:8. They were not at fault for the condition of the Corinthians, nor their prolonged condition, a restless state. Each individual is responsible for their spirituality. We always want to blame others; we want to point fingers. Can't do that in the Lord. Now Paul told the Corinthians they had restricted their own hearts. Notice that. The apostle revealing an ongoing possibility of sin nature here. Manifesting itself in the life of the believers. As long as you're born again, you have sin nature. And if you don't walk in the spirit, you will walk in the flesh. The word affections there is derived from the word for spleen. The spleen in our body. In the old King James, it's translated bowels. The bowels were regarded by the Greeks as the seat of the more violent passions. Like anger and love. Visceral area. The Hebrews it was the seat of tender affection. Especially kindness, benevolence, compassion. When you get angry, you feel in your gut. Bitterness. Resentment. Now notice the apostle is confronting the corinthians with their willful choice allowing to be mastered by the works of the flesh residing in their heart rather than choosing to yield to the fruit of the spirit agape love affectionately do you realize what what paul is doing here he's doing a matthew 18 which i don't think the church knows what it's about anymore he had not offended the corinthians the corinthians had offended him Taking part with the Judaizers. Matthew 18 says, when your brother has something against you, you go to him. When you're carnal, you say, no, no, I didn't do nothing. Let him come to me. That's carnal. When your brother has something against you, you go to him or to her. He's doing it Matthew 18. That's what keeps the house clean. Look at 13. Paul the Apostle declared the need of the Corinthians to respond in love and frankness. Now in return, for the same, I speak as the children, you also be open. So Paul told the Christians to reciprocate the same kind of love he had expressed and the others demonstrated towards them. The word return there means to recompense, compensate in like manner. They were not some nameless, unfamiliar group of people. He had evangelized them. He had taught them. They had conducted themselves without duplicity there at Corinth, Paul and others. Godly sincerity. They were the ones who really cared for them. They had shed tears and anguish over their condition, over the letter. They had spoken honestly, freely, without reservation, uncompromising. Paul was not a weather vane. He didn't turn the way the wind was blowing. He was steadfast. And that's... What children look for in parents. Steadfast. Consistency. That's the way we're to be in the Lord. He had not flattered them. Fearing to offend them. Once again he says. You guys need to repent. Notice Paul told them the reason why. They were to repent. They were related to him. They were his spiritual children. The parenthesis in the case. He fathered them. Through the gospel. He says this in 1 Corinthians 4.15. He was not belittling them or insulting them, but expressing tender affection and love and care for them through this term. They would know that. They were the church of God, saints and brothers in the family of God. He opens the epistle, chapter 1, verse 1 with that. They were related to God. He was their ultimate father, chapter 1, verse 2. And notice that Paul told them to open their hearts as they had. They had made themselves vulnerable to the Corinthians by having laid their heart before them. And now the Corinthians should do the same thing. As parents, we teach by example. They were to open, enlarge, or open, broad their hearts as Paul in a continuous manner to welcome and embrace them in love as evidence of reconciliation. Paul, as their spiritual father, gave an imperative command, not a suggestion to his children. Too many parents today try to be friends with their children rather than parents. They let the children be in the driver's seat. That's a great mistake, ladies and gentlemen. If you're a parent and you're in the driver's seat, one day you will be best of friends with your children. But if you try to be friends first, you'll never be a good parent. And your friendship won't be based on anything but just compromise. It has been said that the loneliest place in the world is the human heart. When love is absent. I believe the greatest privilege and blessing in life is to love of another person wholeheartedly. And that can only happen through agape love. Our love is too fickle. Selfish, self-centered. Conditional. I cannot yield to it. Or I will destroy people. Agape love should always be the motive behind our appeal to people. Listen to Colossians 3.14. But above all these things, put on agape love, which is the bond of perfection. The belt, that thing that holds everything together. The price of opening yourself in love is that you can be misunderstood. You can be hurt, rejected. But the potential of love, agape love is... Inexhaustible, unfailing, First Corinthians 13, 1-8. It never fails. Agape confronts those who are grieving the love of God in their lives. Proverbs 27, 5-6 says, Open rebuke is better than love. Carefully concealed." Faithful the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kiss of the enemy. Or the kiss of the enemy are deceitful. Either way. You have to be true. This is due to the fact that it is a bad testimony of Christ. Not to love in deed and in truth, as First John 3.18 says. Due to the fact that it is a denial of the power of the Spirit, we grieve it, we quench it, as Ephesians 4.30 and 1 Thessalonians 5.19 tells us not to. To grieve brings pain. To quench means to limit what God wants to do. Due to the fact that it is the distinguishing mark of the church and the believer, Jesus said in John 13.35, By this all men shall know you are my disciples, if you have loved one for another. He's not talking about perfection. Agape love is the only power that can always triumph. Love covers a multitude of sins. James 5.20 Doesn't mean it ignores sin. Doesn't wink its eye at sin. It confronts sin. As repentance. And when repentance is there, it doesn't broadcast the sin. Are we understood here? That's what he's talking about. Love does not harm his neighbor. Therefore, love is fulfillment of the law. Romans 13.10 says, Agape never fails. First Corinthians thirteen eight never. If we're to owe anybody anything, it's this. Listen carefully. Romans thirteen eight. Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law, the royal law that James speaks about. This was Paul's appeal from love. He loved them. Notice secondly, the second appeal is from. Reason. Verse 14 through 16. In verse 14, notice Paul, the apostle, commanded the Corinthians to the biblical standard. The Corinthians were not to be one with the unbeliever. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. The phrase unequally yoked means to not be joined to something incompatible or of non-quality, implying they were doing it. This form of the word is found only this time in the New Testament. It's a present imperative command, not a suggestion. It's not an option. So many Christians say, well, I don't think that's what the Bible says. And they they start arguing about drinking and about this and that. Really? Everybody who argues with me about drinking sooner or later, they get drunk. And they mess up their life or they become alcoholics. Okay? Real simple. You want to do that? Go for it. See how your life turns out. And if you can survive it, what's going to happen to your children when they see you drink? It's real simple. Notice the context refers to those who are saved by the ministry of reconciliation. Those who are not saved by rejecting it or not hearing it yet. He dealt with that in chapter 5. Now, the Corinthians were to follow the principle of consecration and separation taught in the law. He's quoting Deuteronomy 22.10. The law commanded that God's people not... Plough with an ox and a donkey together, two oxen, two donkey. They go two different ways, they're two different mindsets. The law commanded the people of God not to breed livestock with another kind. sow their fields with mixed seed or mixed their garments, linen and wool, Leviticus nineteen nineteen. So he quotes from these two passages. Paul didn't have a New Testament. All he has is Genesis to Malachi. That's the Bible. <laughs> We forget that when we're studying the New Testament. He's teaching from the Old Testament. They were to be different, set apart from all other nations as Hebrews. He carries that principle to the church. We are still now the people of God. We haven't replaced Israel, but we are the people of God also, Peter says. The Corinthians were compromising this basic principle at the time. For the command is literal. Stop being unequally yoked together with unbelievers. You don't tell somebody to stop something if they're not doing it. They were mixing human wisdom with God's wisdom in 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5. They were allowing the young man to sleep with the stepmother in 1 Corinthians 5, 1. They were visiting temple prostitutes, making them one with Christ, 1 Corinthians 6, 15. They were culturalizing the church. Do you know how many people are doing that today in the church? Even where the word is taught, people just deceive themselves. They say, Well, it's okay, well that's just his opinion. He's, you know, he's he's just a pastor and you know really. Follow people like that. See what happens to their life to their marriage. See what happens. Now there are some who see this section as very abrupt, so they say it's unnatural. They see it as somebody sticking it in their called interpolation. Somebody introduced the text But there's no evidence uh, Externally or internally by manuscript People, you know These higher critics make these uh, theses And they get their degrees from it They see a digression here Yet they're losing sight of all that Paul has said from, From the preaching of the gospel And God making them triumph And the ministry of reconciliation He pours his heart out And all of this They don't see the connection here Paul identified them as the church of God and saints In chapter 1 verse 1 Paul Reminded them of his godly conduct before them Distinct from others In chapter 1 verse 12 Paul pointed out the difference between Him and the false teachers The hucksters in chapter 2 verse 17 Paul declared that they were set apart For the sufficiency of the ministry By the new covenant The ministry of the spirit and righteousness Different Paul pointed out that the life of Christ is an ongoing death while in this body not living any longer for themselves but rather for the one who died for them as he shared in chapter 4 verse 10 chapter 5 verse 15 Paul told them that being in Christ makes a person a new creature all things pass away, everything becomes new in 517 this thing different I was this now I'm that I used to do that, now I don't not rules, not legalism but a new creation, a new nature, a new mind, a new perspective, eyes open, heart filled. That's what he's talking
0: about. Pastor Xavier Reese with the simple truths about agape love, the true love of God that conquers all. And you can find this program online to hear any portion you may have missed. Just browse for today's date in the radio listings link at CalvaryChapelPasadena.com. You can request your own personal copy of today's study as well. Ask for it by name. Don't be one with the world. It's available on CD for just $4. And by the way, we'll be including everything Pastor Xavier has planned to share in the conclusion of this study from Second Corinthians chapter 6 and 7 next time as well. That title to ask for once again is Don't Be One with the World. Or simply mention today's date when you write. Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard. And it helps us when you include the call letters of this station when you contact us. Be sure and tune in next time as Pastor Xavier Reese brings us more from Second Corinthians on the importance of remaining separate from the world and its dangers in order that we may present ourselves holy before God.